Well, Gail Farsley, thank you so much for joining us today in the circuit. Uh, you are a longtime technology <laughs> business executive, starting out most recently mm -hmm. uh, as Cummins as CIO for quite some time mm -hmm. before jumping into Gartner as an executive senior partner. Mm -hmm. Very fascinating career all the way through. I even traced yeah. back to your getting a computer science degree. Yes. That long was time ago. Yeah, that was way back then. Tell <laughs> us, yes. tell us about. I mean, yeah. things have. What was that like in terms of uh, uh, being a woman in tech very early on? Well, it's interesting, actually, because people always think, boy, there must have been no women back then, which is completely not true. In the year I graduated from college and the next year was the highest percentage of women graduating in computer science and we than, than ever has been, and we've never gotten to that level again. Now, partly, I think that's Do you happen to know what that, do you still remember what the percentage was? It was went? about 35% wow. that year. Okay. And... Um, and that was kind of across the board. Yeah. We've, I think we keep hovering to 20 and maybe a little higher at some schools. I think the part of the reason we haven't gotten that high is there's a lot more majors than there mm. used to be, right? It used to be you did computer science. There wasn't information systems and computer technology and data analytics. Yeah. 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 There are all yeah. these different majors. So I often wonder if it's true that with the numbers, but I think it's still partially true. I went on, so when I went into my classroom, yeah, there were lots of women there. When I started work, there were some, not as many, and every, but one I really noticed is as I moved up in the company, right? I was, yeah. you get to a place where you're the, the first woman at a level or the first woman to do something or the only woman to do right. something, and you start looking around for your peers, right? Right. And so I think that's the biggest change that, I mean, how different is it, right? There's still not a lot of women in tech, um, but I think at the senior levels, companies are trying harder. And uh, I think we're seeing, because it was only computer science back then, that's kind of the path. You went into computer science, you were a programmer, you moved up. I did a panel at this conference today, and of the four people on the panel, three of them came into IT from other careers, mm -hmm. right? marketing, finance, and manufacturing. And that's much more common. And I think that's indicative of the state of technology today. You can't just be single focused. Right, can't right. be just siloed IT. Right. IT needs right. to be really the part of a business right. strategy. Right. That's awesome, right. you actually also touched a point that I was going to ask you about in terms of, you mentioned over the course of decades, many uh, the technology field, many things have changed mm -hmm. and all the other things or, or right. have stayed somewhat steady yeah. state or stale, I can't use further improvement. Mm -hmm. How about as a, as a woman that mm -hmm. you probably must oftentimes find yourself the only one at the table, mm -hmm. particularly in the senior level. Yeah. What are some of the, uh, what, what's some of the advice you have for uh, what do you think the current state or place for for women in tech, yeah. in particular, a specific advice for women who may be interested in starting out, yes. wanted to advance career in tech, or even the senior leaders yes. who's wondering what impact they right. might be able to make? Yeah, and I mean, I've always been a firm believer that, I mean, I look back and think my career, I mean, I just am so blessed, right? But the career I've had, who I mean, who knew? I never, I didn't know anybody who went to college, right? First generation going to college, it was kind of amazing. I ended up there, and I, had, and I think back to a couple things. On a um, kind of a general level, I always tell people to be really thoughtful about finding a mentor. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be one person, it can be many, but, but it's okay to ask for help, right? It's okay to have people that you talk to that can help pull you along. But then the other, the flip of that is I tell them, be a mentor to someone else. And I, I want to do a lot of talks with college students, right? Young women in college. And when I was at Purdue, I taught the uh, women in technology class. So we would chat with them and we'd say, you know, 
you can be a mentor to high school girls who are mm -hmm. looking to come in. And don't think you have to be this, you know, vice president, senior person to mentor other, other women. And I look and say, this is my high school teacher, right, that got me in, that got me to even think. I didn't know what computer science was, but he did. And he saw something in me I didn't see in myself. And that kind of leads me to the second piece. I always say if I was giving advice to my younger self or to, to young women, I said, just, you know, have the confidence to take more risks. Because I think you know, there's a lot of, when I worked at the Center for Women and Information Technology, there's so much research about how, you know, generally how men approach problems, how women approach problems, and women tend to be less risk takers. Mm -hmm. And I'm personality Or the wise. doer of yes. make things happen right. in a quality manner. Exactly. Yeah. And I, that's my, my comfort zone. Right? Yeah. And, and I think about my career, I always thought that if I just did my job and did it really well, somebody would notice. Right. Things right? come along, opportunities Somebody will, will notice. And I, I realized, I've learned as I've gotten more, in, as I coached my clients uh, when I was with Gartner and talking to young women, I said, you, 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 you do need to put on a good show, but you also need to make sure someone's watching. Okay. And it's okay to ask for what you want. It's okay to be clear about what's important to you and what it is you want for your career, for your life, your family, whatever it is. Be really clear about what it is you want, and then don't be afraid to ask for it and, and ask for help to get there. Mm -hmm. And because there are particularly young women I see, they're, they're apprehensive about looking for an internship or something. I said, the, the greatest compliment you can pay someone is to ask them for their advice. I mean, who doesn't want to give people advice, right? I mean, what a compliment. Anytime someone says to me, I'd like your opinion on this, I'm, I'm humbled by that. And I'm trying to get the message to young women, it's okay to ask because most people are going to be thrilled to help you. Yeah. And you just need to let them know what you want, but you can't let them know what you want if you don't know what you want yourself. Right. right? So right. I think that's probably been my, my mantra as I've kind of worked with young women and, and with senior executives, right, in my gardener job. Um, worked with a lot of CIOs, and part of my job was helping them not just build their team, or build their IT department, but advance their own career. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it you want? What do you need to be saying to the board of directors, right? right? And how do you how do you present yourself to them? And how do you succeed in your role? Yes. Right. Yeah. And what's your brand, right? Right. And it kind of as someone, my personality, it's got to be authentic, right? It yeah. can't be just I, I want to be this post child of myself, right? I yeah. need to know what really matters to me. And if you live that authentic brand, people will that'll resonate. Right? Yeah. People will see it. Well, Gail, thank you so much for not only leaving the values that you cherish, setting the role model and actively encouraging either your peers mm -hmm. or the folks that's come upcoming doing the work that you do. You mentioned Gardner, that's mm -hmm. really fascinating. I mean, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I'm not, haven't spent a whole lot of time operating in tech, but mm -hmm. I've been trailing as a, as a really Gartner was one of the leading technology yes. consulting firms. I mean, probably the most, but most one of mm -hmm. the well-known things Gartner mm -hmm. does with a hype cycle. Right. Uh, I know I recently attended one of their data analytics conference. Okay, I was good. really blown yeah. away by the quality content yeah. research that's insights amazing. and they're able to generate. Uh, tell us about that role. Yeah. That's so fascinating. I mean, such a, it seems like a really fantastic opportunity getting to work with a variety of companies. But what it really was, and it was one of those things, I have to tell a story of myself. Our Gartner rep is a friend of mine who was here in Indianapolis. And while I was still at Cummins, so this would have been in, I left there in 2008, so a long time ago. He was trying to get me to come to work for Gartner. It's like, no, no, I'm going to do this thing at Purdue. And I taught at Purdue for a while and worked for the National Center for Women in IT. And I was doing a lot of work on kind of the intersection of tech and women and mm -hmm. diversity and what can we do to increase diversity in, in tech. And 
he kind of reached out to me again, you know, five years later and said, hey, I'm going to retire and they want to hire somebody at Indy. And I said, okay, you've asked me like four times, I'll talk to someone. I end up learning about this role and it really was a great fit. And I, I kind of refer back to when they described the role, because I always thought it's consulting, right? I right. think it's a consulting. And I used to laugh and tell people, it's like the best job in the world, because in consulting, you actually go in, you do it, and then you have to do the work. Right. My job was to go in, talk, learn about what their problems were, pull from these amazing genius researchers, from anal um, analysts from Gardner, right? I mean, some of the smartest people I've ever worked with, learn from all of that, pull it together, advise them on things to do, then go back in a month and say, so how'd you do on all that homework I gave you? <laughs> Which is a little simplistic. Right. But, but in terms of, it was a big shift from though being the CIO who was making decisions and a little, you know, driving strategy or a professor where I'm teaching students on a very focused basis to now um, someone described the job as you had to have been a CIO, mm -hmm. you didn't want to be one anymore because they didn't want people job hopping and you are ready to give back. So you, but you have to get really comfortable that that third one's real important, that you're, it's okay with you that you're not the king or the queen. You get to be the king or queen maker. And is that what you want to do every day? And I think if you, for me, it was the right time, right? The right job at the right time. It's what, 10 years ago I started with them and just, just retired last year. And in many ways, one of the best jobs and great for me, kind of brought together all the pieces of my life from my career, from being in technology, but always got my MBA along the way. Mm -hmm. And it was always about the combination of the two, right? So right. I could work with my clients to help them yeah. think about, their, yes, there's a technology component of Gartner and the hype cycles and make sure you're up on all the trends. But if you don't understand where your business is going and what's going to make them win, you're not gonna bring it all together. And so for me, it was to be able to work on both sides of that. So it was kind of fed both sides of my brain. Yeah, that, absolutely. I, what a fascinating bringing that operational expertise combined with yeah. strategic thinking, but able to rely on Gartner's oh, top-notch yeah. capabilities. Amazing. Yeah. And to your point uh, earlier, that ability to do a lot of strategic advice, but not mm -hmm. necessarily having to, and then see, I'm assuming a lot of those, uh, eventually, some of those oh, translate yeah. into outcomes and impact. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I will say one of the areas I like to focus on, and it was always, you know, we always talk about kind of the three-legged stool yeah. NIT, right? It's about the people, and it's about the business, and it's about the technology. Mm -hmm. And I was always focused on the people, and how can I develop my people? How can I help them bring along? And one of the areas I like to focus on with my my um, my clients was their staff, and how do I help bring them along and get them to the next levels? and having the opportunity to pull so much rich leadership development co content from Gartner and actually locally did a, for a while I had like six or eight people, I guess I was working with at the next level, bringing them together to know each other and they were all in Indianapolis. And so that kind of drives into that other side of my brain where what can I do that as part of my job, I'm not just helping these individuals and their teams and their companies, but I'm helping our community because now we've got this great second level of leadership in IT that's coming up. And, you know, it's why I come to kind of events like the that uh, conferences locally. I want to help, what can we bring up that next level of leadership so that they're here in Indiana to build our community? Yeah, that the leadership development, you're absolutely right. It, it starts not only the immediate business level and the team level, yeah. but as a community has a role 
Including collectively, mm -hmm. if the person does decide to move on to other opportunities yeah. because that's the right fit, you still want to retain selfishly yes. I mean, for our mission. Sure. We still want to keep them in Indiana. Absolutely. And I know a lot of the local tech leaders, because they are so, they, they went through that pain. They First of all, they went through their own career development. Yes. They have a willingness to get back, but they also they are very community oriented mm -hmm. in that sense. I mean, they're not shy about, hey, here's what you should be looking at and here's yeah. the next set of person you need to keep an eye on. Yeah. It's really that community camaraderie in a way. It, it's not a, it's not, it's a, it's, it's a personal relationship. It is. Them, but it's a camaraderie and, and this collective commitment, want to keep talent, develop and keep talent here. It's, it's absolutely there. And it's really strong. Cause I'll say, I mean, I had, I was lucky enough over the 10 years at Gartner that I mean, I most of my clients eventually were in Indiana, but I had clients in other cities. And when we would get together at a Gartner Symposium or an event, and my other clients would see, we, they'd see the local IT leaders mm -hmm. talking to each other and the relationships, and they'd say, we don't have that in my city, right, whatever city it was. And we talk about Indianapolis being a big, small town, and that's one of the things I love because... We're big enough that we've got some wonderful global companies, right? I mean, tremendous opportunities for people, but people get along pretty well and they really help each other. Yeah. I mean, my panel that I did at this conference was for people who all had had some, their companies and them had had some interaction over the last five years. So they came into it and they could have this wonderful natural dialogue. And, and afterwards, I could see them talking to, let's follow back up on that. And there's a lot of really good cross-pollination among the companies. And I, I love seeing that. That's the intangible value yes. in some of the bond. And, and sometimes, exactly. you know, when we're looking at hard numbers and hard yeah. results, <laughs> right. including some of the people aspect of mm -hmm. business, and it, we tend to forget. Let's, let's um, yeah. peel a little bit into the uh, your garden experience. Now, yeah. now you've with your own CIO operating experience, mm -hmm. now Gardner sitting both sides of the table. Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing maybe from a starting with the top trend in terms mm -hmm. of, when we also talking about people. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of conversations yeah. when, whenever we talk about artificial intelligence, yes. first thing people tend to ask, well, how, what does that impact yes. half of my team or my right. workforce? That's right. What are you, what is a high level sort yeah. of a sound bites around yes. AI adoption yeah. in general? And I mean, what I'm seeing is, I'm seeing th so a couple different things and talking to both my Gartner colleagues. So I happened to be in Chicago recently and had dinner with my old boss. So we had a big conversation about this. Um, and then also talking to some cli former clients and, and friends. Everybody's got their toe in the water at different spots. Mm -hmm. um, it came up, uh, it's something that Dennis was talking about in terms of those building blocks, right? There's certain foundational things that have to be in, in play. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, in the general consumerization, right? You know, Chat um, GPT emerged on the scene, and it's like this suddenly was this brand new thing. Well, people don't talk about the fact that, well, technology people have been working on this for a decade, many, yeah. many years yeah. to build those foundational models that were a precursor requirement, and that a lot of that in work that went on behind the scenes to develop those natural language models and machine language, that's all been happening. And then suddenly there's a consumerization of it. Mm -hmm. And so I find lots of um, folks I'm talking to, they've been working on things specifically. And the beauty is because they were thinking about it, now they're positioned to start leveraging and taking advantage of the consumerized technology that they can do something with, right? So that's a real powerful thing. So there's, and it's always been, you know, there's always with any new tech, there's always those multiple threads, right? So there's making sure you got the foundations in place and people yep. are ticking that box. 
looking really close at policy, right? So what, the U.S. government just this week just met, right, two days ago, I think, to talk about what should an AI policy be. Mm -hmm. Well, people have been talking about an algorithmic bill of rights for years. Now it's an AI bill of rights in the U.S. The EU's got their draft legislation. Companies are writing policy. So people are in that space. And they're doing pilots, so they're testing, mm -hmm. right? And then the other thing I'm seeing, and this is, I think, a learning from you know, kind of the application software days is I'm seeing a lot of people talk to me about I'm working with my partners, right? Because if I'm buying software to run my enterprise from SAP or Oracle or Microsoft, well, they got a lot more money to spend on this than I do. Right. So let's start there. Let's find out what they're doing and how can I leverage that? And then I can get my own data in order and put that around the edges. So it's, a, it's definitely, I'm seeing a lot of experimentation, but I'm seeing a lot of, let's pull all these things we know how to do and bring it together into that kind of secret sauce for our industry and our company. Yeah, so play with the tech, know what matters in my business and what's gonna make us successful, and then bring those together. And then I wanna to touch on that the workforce piece, because um, even when we were, I was doing research with our analysts around digital business, right, and what do we need to do to be successful in digital business? Mm -hmm. And some of those workforce pieces are the same because you've got to get your people ready, and it's not, how do you know that they're ready to do this or your company is? It's not just are they capable. So have you taught them how to use these tools? Have you taught them the risks of chat GPT or open AI and get everybody up on policies? But are they, ready, are they willing and ready to do it? Are they adaptable? Are they willing to change? Because you can teach the workforce as much as you want about here's what data literacy means, but are they in a mindset where they're in a growth mindset and ready to change and adapt? And I think we're at, we recognize we're in a, a place here to, to, you know, we've got to be doing both sides of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. When we talk about, um, in terms of a, you know, really, AI adoption or any technology mm -hmm. adoption, there's a tech readiness piece. Yes, exactly. point earlier. Exactly. The, the entire AI, I mean, it dates back all the way the vision was in the 1950s. Yes. And the exactly. computer power and network exactly. and the data availability wasn't until now, all of a sudden. Right. I mean, it's still super expensive to right. get, to actually come right. up with a large language model right. to make exactly. it work. Like, exactly. That's why the bigger opportunities yeah. really in the application, right. uh, at least for the commercial enterprise. So, so the excitement I'm sensing is, feels like the technology readiness level is, it were there now yeah. or pretty close. Yes. The mass adoption for commercial opportunity, there's yes. a, where this cusp of making yes. that leap. That's right. So with that, and then, then we'll come back to the people mm -hmm. readiness piece. And I like how you said about a lot of it's not, and we're seeing a lot of on the tech workforce development set. Right. Oftentimes, people naturally think it's technical, hardcore technical right. skill set, exactly. but it's a soft skill set. It's a mindset change. Yes. Do they have the curiosity, the yes. drive to do learning? Um, those are the foundational yes. pieces, whether you're in tech or not. Right. <laughs> it's it's all important. Yes. So, so what are some of the, I was just curious about mm -hmm. the specific Business insights, and since you're um, yeah. you're seeing a lot of stuff, maybe even a lot of stuff, I'm uh, you're probably tracking here the happening in Indiana. Yeah, what is it? you you mentioned dipping the toes in the mm -hmm. water and pilots? What are some of the common top business challenges and yeah. AIs are particularly helping solve? I, I'm, what I'm seeing. Uh, a lot of the clients I've been talking to, my, my whole career has been pretty much in manufacturing, right? Yeah. I, I mean, the bulk of my industry experience. That's two, still the biggest sector I know. in Indiana. It's where my heart is, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I remember when I got my MBA, people were talking about going into finance companies and making all this money. And I'm thinking, but, but 
I want to make I want to make something. Make something. I, I yes. came from, I was at 10 years at Georgia Pacific where we made paper and toilet paper and lumber. And then I ended up at Cummins where we made engines. I like the tangible roll up your shirt sleeves. There's something pragmatic about that. And I've got a very pragmatic personality. So when I look at the that from that side, manufacturing companies have gotten through the years, you know, whether it's continuous improvement or Six Sigma or Kanban mm -hmm. or whatever the model mm -hmm. is, right? But there's this constant push within manufacturing of how do we get more efficient? How do we get more efficient? And I think that it's leveraging those kind of that curiosity and improve process improvement mentality that's already built. Then how do we now interject? And it's, I think it's one of the roles of the IT organization and the technology groups to say, okay, so now look, let's here's some new technology that we need to look at. How can we apply it to those problems we have to, to, to solve. And I was talking to someone recently about it, and they said, you know, something, you start with something very simple, right? We've got too much scrap coming off of this machine, particular machine at a particular plant. Yeah. So you start there and say, how could we use these models to help us with that? And then once you do that, then the key, and this is the critical key for a lot of our companies, is then how do I scale it? Because just fixing it for one plant or one manufacturing um, line isn't enough. Yeah. But the beauty is with that technology, if you if you are thoughtful and intentional about it, you, you solve that problem here and then you can apply it to where that same problem is happening in all of your locations around the globe. That's huge. And I think that's where there's some really interesting opportunities to bring in. So I'm seeing that as it's, it's, it's innovation, but it's in, in spaces that we already have the business problem. They have been our same business problem. Right. This is just a new way to take it to the next level. The other really big one I'm seeing, a, a lot of people talk about two areas. One is an HR, typical right, benefits enrollment. I think almost everybody I've talked to has said, we're going to use this for benefits enrollment this year. It's a real simple way to try it. If it doesn't work great, it's your employees. It's not as public but then taking it to more of the marketing customer experience. So moving from employee experience is a great way to test things and make sure it's all, everybody understands it, both on the technical and the business side. Right. Then leveraging that over to customer experience. And, you know, lots of people aren't great writers, right? I mean, we're seeing this with chat, GPT, right? I mean, I know people who work at nonprofits who are saying, I'm really not really great at this. Here's my basic letter. Could you tune up my letter to make this donor letter look nicer? And it's like... That's great. Then you don't take it, you look at it and say, okay, that's better than what I could have done. So how do you apply it to do those things you're already doing, but doing them in a more effective and efficient way? Yeah. So those are a couple that I'm seeing. The other ones I'm hearing about that I know I've talked a little bit with somebody, it's kind of anywhere you've got an R&D process, right? Long life cycles. Uh, drug design is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. Had materials design. There's ways to now electronically look for, put some constraints in, and then, you know, have massive models to look for where there's possible opportunities and narrow it down much faster than you could before. Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of interesting to see. And those will directly affect our companies, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. We were, we were just here earlier uh, speaking with Tracy Cam, the mm -hmm. CIO of yeah. Allegiant. Yeah. We right. talking about, she mentioned the intelligence, yeah. intelligent manufacturing yeah. that's absolutely resonating. Yeah. You know, the amount of, uh, I mean, I've, I've been in the venture world watching of, mm -hmm. you know, the whole movement around software, workflow automation. Yep. A lot of, even back then, we inherently knew the biggest yeah. value resides in the data. Yes. So eventually got enough data, I'll apply. So far has been, well, not even so far, up to a certain point has been promoting human intelligence. Right. How do we make sense yes. out of the data yes. that we gather? Yes. Now we are in the phase where really ability to apply machine intelligence, yes. really intelligence manufacturing, intelligence drug 
discovery, discovery but and intelligent education or, or customer service, it's all it's all re ready to become reality yes. for more and more people. Yes. Which has not only impact on the the top line and the bottom line, yes. but you really think about it, it is driving productivity yes. for the company. Very much so. It's driving economic, it's driving the long-term competitiveness for the, these organizations yes. or companies. Yes. And it's also really driving the economic growth mm -hmm. for, for the entire community yes. and these people resides in. Yeah. So what are some of the things, I know you also involve some of the community work. Yes. If you were to advise corporate community <laughs> leaders here says, okay, this wave is finally coming. Yes. Uh, what are some, what would you be advised that, that, that what they should be doing that can make a real impact? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer that we often get into our silos and think about and technology as this thing that you have to have a computer science degree and then mm -hmm. maybe an MBA or you have to have a certain pedigree to be able to do this job. And I guarantee there are certain parts of this job you have, <laughs> the jobs you have to have certain depth of technical knowledge, but the, that's not the only way to get that is not through college. So I think, and, and so kind of diversity, but from a very broad definition, to be really thoughtful about what are all the different populations where we can get people to come to our workforce, whether it's for technology jobs or not, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the, the, this, this next wave is going to, displace a lot of workers. And we're in that, as we've been talking about, right? You've got a lot of people retiring and not as many young people coming up, certainly not as many coming up through college, right? Who've said, I'm not sure this is for me. I'm not willing to go into debt that far to do this, to do a particular thing. So how do we really be thoughtful about our, our positions and our companies and our requirements that we're asking to hire people with certain requirements and also not expecting that they're going to know everything when they walk in the door. So we're seeing a lot of things, and I know Tracy has been doing some wonderful work um, with, with you on the, the, some of the, um, the workforce development type activities. Uh, I heard an example today from someone who they have partnered with a refugee organization to bring refugees from that are in refugee camps near their plants to come in, the work that Cook's doing on the east side of Indianapolis. I mean, saying we're not gonna, if we just rely on the same places we've always gotten our talent, there will not be enough talent. Right. right? And we need the expanded playbook. Right, right. And they are, are available. Right. right. We need to go look for them and we need to, and I think taking some responsibility that it's not just someone else's responsibility to have these workforce ready people. Right. Ready. I mean, they're not standing in line to walk in our door as soon as we open it, right, yeah. as a company. So how do we partner? And I see that's the broader ecosystem where I'm very passionate about, you know, kind of women in tech and diversity in tech and trying to look for where do we, how do we encourage more young women to go into technology, but also into manufacturing, right? Mm -hmm. There's not, you know, it's not a career, but we are, all those of us who've been in manufacturing, you look around and think, boy, our numbers aren't as good. So I've doing some really interesting work at Purdue on um, trying to look across campus and say, no matter what your major is, manufacturing could be a really interesting career, right? And I think that IT, technology, and, so what are you really passionate about? You're passionate about healthcare, maybe you don't want to be a doctor or a nurse, but right. there's some really cool technology yep. that you could use to apply to that. And so looking for those ways, those and opportunities, and then pushing down the pipeline, right? That's the obvious, yeah. the last one, right? How do we get how do we make sure that young kids know that these, this is an option? And we've, we've obviously been hearing a lot about STEM, I mean, much more in the last five or six years than we had in the times before that. But I think there's some really interesting opportunities there to get kids, get them exposure. Even if they don't, ever, even if they don't say, I'm going to go and get a degree in tech, if they have exposure and understanding, then they're going to go into 
a department in a company or end up somewhere and they'll have an appreciation for it and that partnership that's required to make the really great things happen, you need that coming from, you know, kind of the whole company, not just the tech people. So yeah. there's some exposure to tech that'll be great. Some of them will go into IT and that would be wonderful. And some of them won't, but they'll be great when I go across the table from them to work on a problem. Right. And I think that's a really interesting opportunity. And it's, I mean, it's one of the reasons I'm passionate about living in Indianapolis and the different organizations. We've got a really unique community. And I said before, with my Gartner clients, I used to have people, when I would tell them about some of the community efforts we were doing, I've had people come and visit, you know, the Checkpoint Foundation for Youth and see how we're partnering with um, universities about bringing this whole ecosystem to bear on how do we make sure we uplift everybody in our community. Yeah, and that's exciting to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. So. And and I like how you frame it. It just it's simplistic, but it makes really people can get it very quickly. It's a both end approach. You mm -hmm. don't have to pick to be a technologist. Yeah. In fact, a lot of these, I think the latest data that I my team shared with mm -hmm. me, ninety two over ninety two percent of the jobs in the U.S. now require a, some type of digital absolutely. skills. Not sure. surprising. Not at all. Right. Surprising. Many right. of those jobs are not necessarily in in tech or, right. or core tech mm -hmm. products and services and company. Yeah. So this is where that intersectionality between yes. tech, and tech is really the through line. It is, and it's, that's workforce, it's innovation, it's application, yep. it's, you know, it's a, both foundational skill sets, understanding mm -hmm. as a user, but also, and for that, you know, we, folks here, both companies and people here mm -hmm. have a lot, a lot of opportunity to use the tech as an economic growth strategy. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. That's, that's really the single biggest driver that we have. Absolutely. I mean, I see it every day. And something real simple, it's like, just something you said jogged a thought. Um, you know, if I think about as, as people moved to work from home and remote during uh, during the pandemic, and there was a lot of talk about is it permanent? And you know, some people think you know want everybody back in the office. Other people are convinced you can just work remotely forever. But the reality is, the genie's out of the bottle. And for me, I looked at that and said, this is a huge opportunity mm -hmm. for Indiana because I remember being at Purdue when I was teaching there, and seventy percent of our incoming students were from Indiana in our majors in Polytechnic. And when they graduated, 70% of them left Indiana. Now, some of them, I, I, I left my hometown when I graduated too, right? And there's nothing wrong with intrinsically going somewhere else, but many of them would have loved to have stayed in Indiana, but they didn't think there was any opportunity. Right. So I think, and so it's back to that flip side, right? Getting, recognizing that there are people who'd love to stay here and work, but their opportunities may not always be here. So you- Well, not, the opportunity not being perceived as Perceived as up, right, with, exactly. Yeah. So it's like helping them see what those opportunities are, yeah. having groups like TechPoint and others, making sure there are more opportunities, mm -hmm. but then also making it the, the fact that there are lots of remote opportunities now. I mean, I have two members of my family who work 100% remote from Indiana for major companies that are not located here, and um, they have no intention of leaving, right, in yeah. the near term, right? This could be in and your Silicon Valley, Indiana. Exactly. I mean, seriously. Exactly. <laughs> and so the opportunity there is 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 great, right, that there's, there's multiple facets and multiple ways that we can build this community of tech people in Indiana, some working in companies here, some working in other companies, but they're they're living here, and then yeah. that keeps building the, the community, and I think it's important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Gail, for all the work that you do for getting on the show today. Really enjoyed Thanks our conversation. Yeah, I did as well. Thanks yeah. very much. Thank you. 